Hello, welcome to Arsenal Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Henry. I'm your other co-host, Matthew. And today we're talking about just what we've been watching recently. Uh, kind of updating the different TV shows and movies that we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully that can, you know, either inspire you to watch some of the things that we're watching or you have an opinion on something that we've watched that you've already seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can feel free to share with us um, anytime you like on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. Uh because we have an Instagram account at Marvelous Cinema Podcast, uh, where we do reviews during the week and podcasts during the week, usually on Monday. Um, we also have a Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous. Uh, same thing over there, just on Twitter, um, where we upload reviews during the week and, and a podcast, again, usually on Monday, <laughs> but it can change. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, not really sure. Where to go from here? I guess. <laughs> I, just want to I suppose it's it. sort of a little notice. We're sorry if the, the quality is a bit different for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've had we've had a wonderful we've had a wonderful setup today. Yeah. <laughs> Technical limitations, but we're all right. We're still here. Yeah, it's mainly my laptop just being really annoying. <laughs> let, let, let's let's not attribute blame. We're all here together. <laughs> um, yeah. Would you would you like would you like to get started? Because I think it's always usually me that starts with one. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna let you go um, first. Yeah, sure. Um, I think I'm gonna start off with one that I've just really enjoyed very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably a bit unusual for what we usually pick. It's not. It is is a TV show on Netflix, but it isn't like our usual kind of drama that we usually talk about, like Cypher. Mm-hmm. It's just a really funny comedy show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's only six episodes. Um, and it's from people called uh, Auntie Donna. Um, oh, I think, and, I think I know. I think I've heard of yeah, it. Yeah, and it's amazing. And the show is called Auntie Donna's Big All House of Fun. Um, it's really, <laughs> really unusual and really weird to talk about because I guess because it's not, I guess we're not used to talking about stuff like this, really, just following mm-hmm. comedy stuff. Um, just a sketch comedy show. Um with very little continuity um but i just really really enjoyed it and i think it's kind of in a very small way kind of like not a very small way but in a kind of different way than usual i guess it, it is kind of a genius tv show mm-hmm. uh, it's just these three australian people these men they all like in their 30s i think or something like that um and they're all just in this house having a lot of fun and it's just um <laughs> They open almost every episode like some sort of song, and each and every song is generally one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. Um, there's one about morning brown for like coffee, um, and I think if I was ever going to boil down their humour into one kind of advert, like what is it like to watch Iron Donna sketch? It's a really upbeat morning brown song about coffee, and then. It's so I want to listen. Morning round, morning round. What is morning round? And then some of the other guys go, "It's coffee, you fuck." <laughs> <laughs> it's actually like just like it builds so well, and it just subverts so many different things. Um, and this series, I think, is their first like official kind of proper TV thing because um, it's been on YouTube for quite a long time now. Um, I think literally like probably a decade at this point. Um, they're quite there like early days and they've been working so hard for like so long on YouTube and it's just kind of very nice to see them finally have a TV show and I've only literally went back onto their YouTube work 
in retrospect from this uh, TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, have you heard of at all about Auntie Donna? I have uh, through various other sort of YouTube and, and podcasty things. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard about them, and I heard because obviously they started on YouTube, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Netflix picked them up for this show, and I think it doesn't have like various guest stars and stuff like that. Is Anthony Starr on one of them? Yeah, every once in a while there's a random like Ed Helms from The Office is in it for a bit. Yeah, it's very random stars. <laughs> I'd actually completely forgotten about it. So you reminded me, and I might watch that. Yeah, it's I love it's kind show. of just. It's very easy viewing as well. It is like it's a sketch after sketch after sketch, and I have my favorites, but they're all like very very good anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's just an amazing show, and I think it's kind of flew by a lot of people's like flew under people's radar. I think, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of wish it got more attention because it's just it's so good, and I kind of went on on to Donna kind of binging of like just all their skits and sketches from youtube and they even got a podcast themselves and it's an amazing just like sketch podcast they have one where um around like the chase like the tv show um mm-hmm. and the premise is that it's the, again it's the three guys again it's the three men that are doing the performing the entire time and it's like they're redoing a chase episode but they never get past the first hurdle of like introducing the person because the guy is so rude to the like the guest for the host mm. and then just never get past the first like actual hurdle of the show and this day and it's like they have like this type of humor where it's just one situation and they'd never get out of like the very early part of the of, the, of that like situation yeah. um and it will last in some cases like 20 minutes long of just them kind of almost repeating the same joke and it sounds kind of like a bit not very funny but it it somehow always is funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I just really recommend it. And I think I just think it's unfortunate that because it's been out for longer than a year now, and I just never knew it was out there until about a month ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that show because it's just a, a breezy kind of lovely, lovely show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. sounds good. I, I want to check it out. So I will do. I'll mm-hmm. take your recommendation on board. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Um, um, yeah. yeah. Do you want to go to your next one? Um, yeah. So from from light and breezy to something not light and breezy. <laughs> um, uh, upon your recommendation, I have started the leftovers. Yeah, you have. <laughs> I have. I, I am suitably depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry um, about that. <laughs> um, no, it's not, it's actually not. It's sad, but it's not that like, depressing. I keep, it's a weird feeling to it. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's just so encapsulating. It's it's unlike any TV show I think I've seen before. Mm-hmm. In that it handles sort of. I, I've got several things written down. I don't even know where, where, which one to start with. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with the fact that it's just so. I think slow has a lot of negative connotations, but I think maybe methodical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In it's just sort of everything sort of has meaning, and it's a lot, a lot of it's a lack of dialogue compared to a lot of other shows, mm-hmm. especially in the first episode. The first episode, for the most part, most of the characters don't say anything. Yeah, it's very true. You don't really know who relates to who for a very long time. <laughs> mm, and there are there are some there are some fairly fairly major things that don't apparent until much later on. In the, mm-hmm. I, I should say that I've only seen the first season, yeah, so far. 
And I just love that aspect compared to a lot of shows where it's very much information overload, information rammed down your throat here. This is the ultimate in long game exposition. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I, I also watched it with my parents. Oh, really? Um, which some some things I regret. <laughs> um, but for the most part, they were they were they were constantly saying, "What does that mean? What's going on? I don't understand." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and there there were, and and there were even some cases where it doesn't necessarily directly show you something, but you know what's going on. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's one there's one big example that I'll, I'll get to in a second from what is probably the most brutal part of the first season. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of the the episode that you told me about before, which is the Garvey's at their best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because this, it, it's everything you said in there. It's so weird seeing them happy. <laughs> it's so weird, like, seeing that world, but not utterly depressed. <laughs> and some of the weird thing is that... Um, the good part, the good parts of the episode. Um, Kevin is just as depressed as he is later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> which is a really interesting, really interesting thing. Um, over overall, the acting is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One little thing that I did notice is the actress that plays the daughter. I've forgotten her name. Mm-hmm. How she's able to go from quite a stereotypically mardy teen <laughs> to portraying. I get a really lively, bubbly, three years younger version is incredible. Yeah, because it's, I remember that was probably like the highlight of the episode for me in terms of just like pure shock value. Like, mm. it's so weird that for a show that has so many shocking things in it that for me, and still to this day, I think that is like a highlight to me, like seeing that character be happy and goofy is like a lot of ways. Um, mm. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and it's it yeah it's sort of testament to that episode and how it how it just builds so well and there are so many little things in there that are from the show like how it sort of shows you how uh, um I can't remember it but you know how how Kevin's wife meets Patty mm-hmm, yeah and have the little the sort of a therapy session and how she feels like she knows what's coming. Mm-hmm. And just little things from again, uh, Kevin's wife when she when he go, when she goes to look at the puppies, the person that's looking after the puppies is the, is the um, uh, guilty remnant woman that gets murdered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And various things like you meet um, Matt's wife before the accident as well, and it yeah it manages to do all these things without feeling forced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's weird to see them all be so happy, not knowing what's what's coming next. And again, one of the bigger ones being um, Kevin's dad. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. However, just just to talk about the ending to this episode, mm-hmm. because it is it's just brutal. It, yeah, it's so brutal. <laughs> because it's also as as things start happening, as like because. Um, uh, Matt and his wife are at the, the doctor's surgery before um, Kevin's wife. I'm going to have to Google it because I can't keep calling her Kevin's wife. <laughs> <laughs> it feels almost around. Um, so I'm just going to have to Google it quickly. Um, leftovers. 
Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, Laurie. Laurie. Um, and but before Laurie goes in, and they mention that she has to drive because he's gonna have a celebratory drink or something like that, and you think, oh shit, <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's gonna happen now. <laughs> uh, and part of me was wondering throughout the episode, are they actually gonna show it happening? And as sort of things like as it's sort of revealed that Laurie's having a scan, and as as the two kids do that circuit thing, a science circuit thing, mm-hmm. and as as Kevin has has the fair, it sort of crosses my mind in that I I know what's gonna happen now, and it's sort of a case of are they gonna? They're not. <laughs> That's, they're, not, they're not going to do that, are they? Mm-hmm. And as it transpires, it becomes oh shit, they are. Yeah, and um, it's something. The one, talk, one of the other, it... Sorry. <laughs> I, like, that's what, I know what you mean. It's like that montage, like Chris cut, Chris between like everyone in the family, and I think it's a miracle that that show has a concept of what happens to people when people just kind of disappear, and mm. it didn't really show that until episode nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just love the fact that it's not it's not about what happened to them in a way, the people that disappeared. It is the people of the sort of the morbid but like it's not it's not a thing where we've seen that society collapse and everyone's living in derelict buildings. Mm-hmm. It's just the subtlety of it, I think. That's yeah. this isn't that different from our world, just with people being really sad. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's pretty much our world. It's not like it a, it's not really a sci-fi story by the margin of like, it's the future or something like that. It's mm. not really anything like that. It's literally just our world, but there's this really big, weird event that everyone's trying to ignore that happened. Mm. <laughs> um, how did you feel about the kind of one-off Matt episode about just that character? That until until the the garb is the best that was probably what i was going to rank as the most brutal episode mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um and i think the show does remarkably well when it comes to sort of symbolism mm-hmm. like yeah. in in the pilot one of the best thing one of the things that i sort of left that first episode with is sort of the metaphor of the dogs yeah um like um the daughter um kevin's daughter's uh friend new friend says something about how the dogs went mad because they were able to, to sense what went wrong and we're all going to head that way. It's just that the dogs got there first. Mm-hmm. And then you end yeah. with, with Kevin and um, the hunter gunning them all down, which isn't an example of, of the great sort of thematic symbolism that the show has. And that episode with Matt is one of them where it's sort of, that's, that's just brutal. I've said that a lot, but it is, it's just brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but... just just the irony of the fact that through through what what the the intervention of God, he's got the money to save the church, mm-hmm. and then the reason that he doesn't save the church is because he helps the guilty remnant, and then the guilty remnant by the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's just twisted, and I yeah. love so the softer aspect of the fact that he then continues to try and help them uh-huh. yeah yeah throughout some of the later episodes and it's just it just shows great nuance i think and, and how do you feel about the music <laughs> oh the music please 
it does it so well in the, not necessarily just the score because the score's phenomenal. I think I said on, on the Instagram story yesterday when that piano melody starts, mm-hmm. it's like your heart preemptively sinks. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like shivers come down the spine because you know this is a big moment. Um, and one of the biggest moments is in the final episode where Kevin reads the the Bible extract. Oh my God! Yeah, Jesus Christ! And he's just sobbing through it. And another thing about the show is it is beautiful. Visually, oh, it is stunning. So good looking. <laughs> that scene again by the by the grave where he's reading that thing and the sunlight. And one of the best, one of the best sort of things is just something so subtle in a close-up. Every close-up of Kevin just feels perfect. <laughs> I'm not sure why it happens in this episode, but it also I noticed it in the not the episode um, in in terms of continuity the episode before mm-hmm. in in the shack where it's just the way the uh, the light reflects off his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a weird <laughs> tiny detail, but I just love it. Yeah. And he just has a great face for just like you just want to watch him and see what his face does. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, he's like he just does so many little things, and it's so weirdly emotional. Like seeing him, like I remember for the longest time, it was so weird. Um, I would see that actor because I was like thinking about I want to know what the actors are actually like in real life stuff like that, and seeing that actor just just in for all, like talk in a way that it was kind of jovial and fun mm-hmm. and my image of him from the show was just he's never smiled once <laughs> he's just a pained man yeah he's just always angry if he's not dealing with like an actual big issue it's like a really small issue like i think in the first episode where the bagel or like the bread like goes missing from the the toaster in the office mm, and yeah like it's like nothing ever is good in <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i totally agree with that like that his face is oddly good for the camera <laughs> yeah he is he, he's so good and for a man that until i watched this i'd just known him for being the code breaker in that one scene in last jedi and that guy who wrote iron man 2 yeah same. <laughs> All of a sudden, he comes out of nowhere with this absolutely sensational performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well, I know you asked about music, but it's not necessarily just the score. I feel like the use of of song music, mm-hmm. you know, pretty out of this world. Like one that I specifically wrote down while I was watching. I had to write this down to make sure I remembered this. Mm-hmm. But in the final episode, they play um, like a, a, an instrumental version of "Nothing Else Matters." Oh yeah, as yeah. The guilty women leave the house and they go to put the bodies in position. Mm-hmm. And it just... Mwah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't talk about it enough. It's, yeah. it's just so good. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of... Because there's obviously there's so much more to say about it as well. Yeah. And I've still got two seasons left. <laughs> yeah, and I can't wait because I... No spoilers or anything, but I have mentioned that. It is a very weird second season and it definitely mm. a tone shift. Like I wouldn't say it's not it's no longer a sad show. It definitely is, but it's just like it just feels more kind of like it's got a new leash of life. And I think mm. that's interesting because I already loved it before. So I'm I just the weird kind of jump 
from season one to season two and again season three as well um and i cannot wait i cannot wait for your text when you see a certain episode of season two that's kind of like late on um because it's it's a fucking it's a twist (laughs) on the premise really and it's and again i I really enjoy that you i kind of i think when i mentioned before the show like months ago i always really enjoyed that and I always wanted to preamble like to people that would never recommend it that it's not about the actual disappearance as much as it is about the people that are, people is dealing with it. It's mm-hmm. and I kind of always kind of like want to preface this that like yeah the the promise of the show is not to answer the question of what happened. It's never that's barely ever on the show's actual mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just more get ready for people being sad <laughs> and um yeah and I think and you remind me that because I totally kind of forgot about it, but like I did, I think the most horrifying thing about that show was when they got around and put out those little dolls of mm. everyone, and I totally forgot about that because I think my mind wanted to repress it because the especially um I, I know the I don't know why but I know the actress name but I don't know the character's name um Carrie Coon mm-hmm. um <clears throat> Matt's bro- Matt's sister um, Nora Nora yeah um. When she comes down the stairs and sees those like dolls in like places of her family, and she just like has that breakdown, like mm. that's intense. <laughs> um, yeah, that's just an intense moment, and I, I think that's a a perfect kind of like this is what the show will give you, so be prepared every episode. <laughs> and that that moment as well, it's, again, it speaks to how slowly things build up and how perfectly they're built up because. From what we there's before that, it's it shows. I watched this episode literally. She literally comes down the stairs and she looks into the kitchen, mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily show you what she sees. No, no. And that's the best part because you sort of see her reaction first, but you know what she's looking at. Yeah, and the fact that the dolls are just like they are replicas, but just a bit off and a bit plasticky. Mm. And just like, oh god, it's so creepy. And yeah, uh, yeah. And I totally, I love the season finale of season one as well. And I, and it's kind of a way because, and I can't wait for you to get to get to it because I think season one's best episodes are kind of overshadowed by just the weirdness of the next seasons. <laughs> and it's, and it, yeah, I'm just really excited for you to like, kind of go forward with it because it's just an, it's an interesting change <laughs> um yeah yeah an amazing show <laughs> also i i like i said i love the finale like again the music coming together and just and right at the end the best sort of thing like a lot of the show you think you know you thought you think you're familiar with what's going to happen you think you know where it's going to go in that you would think this show would be about maybe trying to find the people and bring them back but it's not and it's the best decision the show makes Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. and at the ending, I think the best thing it does with that ending is you have Nora sort of write this letter as if she's leaving, mm-hmm. and I was almost sort of disappointed as she was as she was reading it. Like it's a beautifully written bit of dialogue. Yeah, I was almost a little disappointed as she was sort of reading it aloud because I thought uh, it's kind of it's kind of done before in that she's just going saying goodbye and she's leaving like a leaving like a an emotional letter so i was mm. elated when she didn't leave <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
And she just finds the body and she smiles and they all smile and the dog comes back. And And the dog comes back as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, that character Nora becomes pretty integral to the entire thing going forward. Um, So, yeah, I think that character, and I think that character for me, as well as Matt and then the actual main character, um, I think they're kind of the highlight of it, the entire show for me. Mm. Um, I think all characters are great because... I mean, I I always loved the um, the like the son like the kind of uh, the guy who's he's also the uh, Flash in the main Spider Man um, the son. Oh of, yeah, of, uh, isn't he? Yeah, and I always loved him in this show because I just think he plays it so intense, <laughs> like like a weird like sweaty like, like just running around all time intense. <laughs> um, and again, like his character off over the few seasons is really like interesting to watch. And yeah, I I always recommend this show to everyone, and I'm so happy that it's getting out there. <laughs> you, you, you're doing the good work. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. yeah. So I can officially join you in recommending it, even though I haven't quite finished it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, would you like to move on to our next one? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So my next one is a, a TV, uh, not a TV, so a movie trilogy that we have both seen, and I think kind of have different opinions on them. Um, okay. But the M Night Shyamalan Unbreakable oh, oh, oh. Split and Glass trilogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, people, I guess, call it now the East Trail One Seven Seven trilogy, but the train um, at the beginning. Ah, I see. Yeah. That's a really acute name for a trilogy. It is, yeah. <laughs> I've watched them and I don't even know what the train was called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I just I watched them recently and I think it was kind of an accident. And the way I watched them was split, glass, then unbreakable. <laughs> um, oh. I'm not really sure why that happened. Um, Are you trying to break me with that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't, I, couldn't, I didn't mean to watch them as a series. I was kind of thought, yeah. oh, yeah, Split, I'll put that on. And then I just kind of got wrapped up in the whole thing and I realised how much I just love this trilogy of being so odd, for the, especially for the genre that's inside of. Um, and I think um, I think it's Unbreakable, Split, and then Glass is my ranking of like how, my, how I prefer the movies. Like, I think... They do get slight. I guess I have to say it, but they get slightly worse with every film. But even though I like all films, mm-hmm. um, and you could definitely argue why make it into a trilogy when you have a pretty perfect first film. Um, but I just love the fact that he randomly just decided I'm going to make a sequel and I'm going to make a third one, and then they're going to that's it. That's what I want, I just want to do it for some reason. And I'm going to. I can just imagine it. he wrote Split and decided, fuck it, let's make it a sequel. <laughs> yeah i mean it could have been possible like i mean i know the story is that he wanted to include uh kevin wendell crumb in the first unbreakable film but had no room for it and i do kind of believe because his films are always very short he's always a kind of a very short thriller director um mm-hmm. but i wouldn't be surprised if he just kind of went you know what this would suit <laughs> unbreakable um yeah <laughs> I, but yeah, I think this trilogy is so weird and wonderful and kind of, kind of in a, I guess, similar to Lethal, kind of depressing. <laughs> and it's not really about the inciting incident per se, mm-hmm. especially the first film. Um, and I think the second film, Split, is a really, really 
great like horror film um mm-hmm. and i think it's kind of i think it's kind of been underappreciated actually um people kind of look at it as like oh yeah it's pretty good and kind of a good return for him but i think it's actually i would say it's pretty like full-on like great um and yeah i know glass is probably the the movie that's definitely the one that everyone kind of goes ah you dropped the ball <laughs> um and i kind I, I always can see it it's one of those weird things where i can see the issues and i can see the criticisms but i just don't agree with them or at least i do but not nearly as strongly to dislike the film um mm-hmm. I get it. There are definitely some weird kind of plot contrivances and get, I guess, plot holes. And there are definitely some kind of Emily Shyamalan, just weird, like dialogue things. <laughs> um, but I just really love it a lot. And it's, I don't know what it is about Glass, but it's just such a, I just love the fact that it's for the most part in the first act, like a conventional superhero thing. Mm-hmm. And then, the second that just kind of goes, ah, oh, we're in a mental asylum and it's going to be people about why they're crazy. And I think that's just so interesting. I think he did a great job of doing that middle act for me. I think the third act is where my issues come with the film. Um, but kind of like, I get that he's the twist guy, but do we need three twists? <laughs> um, I don't really want three twists. I think one of them is pretty good i think i like the idea of the the free live clover organization like the they were doing it on purpose i kind of like that idea but, really okay yeah. and i do, i know that i i know that's part of what i want to say yeah <laughs> but i just yeah i always enjoy the idea that they're the only actual villain villain in this entire series is the people that try to suppress people being themselves um mm-hmm. and i get again i go i get the argument that it's so weird that the trilogy ends with the villain that killed so many people arguing that he's kind of a weird kind of somewhat of a hero and his mother is like played out like this sweet old lady and he doesn't seem as if doing anything wrong even though he killed many people mm-hmm. um I, but i can't help but just really enjoy that it's like mm-hmm. a weird kind of yeah they were bad people aside from david dunn maybe but like come on like, like they were just being themselves and they were trying to find out where they where they you know where they existed in the universe and i think that was it's an interesting film the third film and i think it has its issues but i just love the fact that it kind of just brings it all together and answers some big questions and kind of does i would say for the most part a very good job of it but yeah and i just think it's nice having a trilogy where it's kind of a surprise trilogy. Um, I don't think we get that very often. No, we don't. Um, surprise movie series is not very uh, often thing, but I always look at it as a kind of a really special kind of random thing that happened. Um, but yeah, do you do you which films do you like this trilogy? <laughs> I think I like the idea of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Unbreakable and Split are both really great films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I love the trailer for Glass. <laughs> for me, Glass has one of the best trailers. From... Um, and it's sort of I almost feel sort of almost opposite to you in that I agree. With you, the first act is is the best of from Glass. Mm-hmm. I love the scene where um, Dunn rescues the girls from and has that fight with uh, with Kevin. 
Yeah. As the fight with the beast. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's phenomenal. But for me, I think the second act is what kind of harm harms it the most. Mm-hmm. In the it just it takes the edge off and takes all the pace out. Like I like the idea of them being in, in the asylum. Mm-hmm. And also, there's something about uh, Sarah Paulson's delivery which puts me off. Oh, really? Um, I can't. Again, it's one of them unfair criticisms where I can't really justify it with any sense of logic other than I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm, I know, I'm sorry, it's, it's quite cruel, but it is just something about the delivery which puts me on edge. Mm-hmm. Um. And then it sort of it feels like it's redeeming itself. It feels like it's building up, and then they uh, they they um they kill Dunn in a puddle, which <laughs> I can't get I can't I can't get past. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't think it's a poorly made film. I don't mm-hmm. think that at all. I don't think you can say that about any of the three films. It's just the narrative choices that don't necessarily gel with me because the more I think about it the more because there's about 20 the first film and the third film uh-huh. and if you think about because it's sort of they do both tackle the ideas of it being super they're being superheroes mm-hmm. but thinking about it Unbreakable came out in 2000 after I've just checked it's 2000 so this is before this is before Raimi Spider Man. This is I think it's before X Men. Actually, it oh, might be the year after X Men. I think I think it's the same year, maybe. It's the same year but, yeah. Um, and it's at a time when people aren't overly familiar with comic book films. I mean, you've had you've had Richard Donner's Superman, mm-hmm. and and the odd other one, but you you don't have the familiarity that we had when when Glass was released. Yeah, and I think. I think when it comes to Glass, the, if, if Split and Glass had also come out in the early to mid-2000s, mm-hmm. I think we'd be talking about something completely different. Right. Because a lot has happened with comic book films since Unbreakable, and the whole perception surrounding superhero films has changed, because Unbreakable has quite a straightforward attitude towards it. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of every superhero has an origin story and a supervillain. However, Glass feels kind of muddied between going with that original, rather more simpler direction, and also having to tackle the more complex things that have come since. You know, having to tackle an audience that are now very familiar with comic book films Mm -hmm. and superhero films. And... Unbreakable isn't necessarily a subversion of comic book tropes. It's more uh, just an interesting look at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, and I think Glasses maybe it's not mis- not a mistake, but its problem is that it tries to be a subversion. Yeah. Especially yeah, that sort of final that final battle, and it just feels it feels like. I can't describe. I can't really describe it properly. <laughs> but I feel like it. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff there. I will. I will admit that. And I think it's a fascinating trilogy to watch. And I can see exactly why you 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 like Glass more than me. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really really interesting ideas, and 
I still it doesn't tarnish the other two for me. I still really enjoy Unbreakable. Um, for me, again, for me, Unbreakable sort of twists, Unbreakable and Splits twists are probably maybe my favourites from my Matt Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a director famed for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they are probably them done really, really well. Mm-hmm. Aside from the weird, weird uh, fact that um, about 10 minutes worth of information is dropped on you with text at the end of Unbreakable. I always think that's the, that's the weirdest choice in the world. <laughs> I love that film so much. <laughs> I love that final scene. And then every single time when that text pops up, I'm like, why? Really, <laughs> I get it. Like, <laughs> just saw him like maybe call on the police. Like, that's fine. We, that's, we get it. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't understand that part at all. <laughs> um, yeah. I, but I think with me, and I think the big controversial thing here is definitely Glass. Was, <laughs> you want to come back to it? Um, it's just like, I understand the kind of dislike of, for example, probably like a big issue everyone had, and I kind of do agree, um, was how David Dunn was handled overall and then kind of killed. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not even in a dramatic, kind of heroic way, really, to be killed in the puddle. Um, which is like almost kind of a, a disrespect to the character and a, a kind of almost rude to like the audience to be like you've waited 20 years to see this character here's the opening act that's about him and then you won't see him that much for the middle chunk and then he's going to get killed at the end um, it is kind of disappointing but there's something about number one I don't know why I like it, but I love the way he's killed. Like, I love the puddle. I just love the idea that this guy who is literally unbreakable, cannot be killed, he's got one weakness, is killed by a puddle. Um, and I don't know what it is about that that I just love. And I think having every character at the same time kind of die with their loved one next to them. Like, in David Dunn's case, it's a son. Uh, Eliza's got his mom. And then with uh, Kevin, you have uh, I want to say Casey is on here. Yeah, I think so. Um, but played by Anna Taylor Joy, who is mm-hmm. very famous now. <laughs> um, but I just love the idea of them all dying at the same time and all kind of because people were trying to oppress them. And the reason that they're in a very sad twist of fate do kind of win at the end is because their loved ones kind of spread their identity around in Eliza's kind of final twist. Um, and I totally understand the idea that, yeah, but wouldn't people just say, oh, he might have been in the steel, but he drowned in the puddle, or, you know, Kevin couldn't be killed, but he got shot at the end, or whatever. And I totally get that. I think if that scene went on for a bit longer, or we had a fourth film, it would be about people disbelieving or believing, and kind mm-hmm. of arguing like logic or whatever or belief into it i don't think the ending is saying people will disbelieve it but i do think it's also saying that at least it's out there um and you know the mom and casey and the son can be like proud of them in some way um and i always every single time as and i do have my issues along the way because i do like it a lot but i do have my issues with it um Every time with any of that film, 
when they're all sat there in the train station and we have each character have their moment and their little tiny little flashback um and especially the sons to uh david dunn kind of telling him to like not talk about him being superhero by when he's handing over the newspaper um mm-hmm. with his like his article in it and it's every single time that makes you cry so much like that there's something about the music the characters all being together without them there present and then having those little tiny flashbacks to one of my favorite films of all time like from 20 years ago mm-hmm. there's just something about that that's really rewarding um and i just love it so much and yeah i get that it's kind of disappointing and kind of not literally three different super beings come together to have a big fight and it's a bit dramatic and all that sort of thing i think it again whether you agree it's subverted it or not i do think it did for me at least did do something a bit more interesting and i think i don't know i do think it depends on how you feel about the second act like mm-hmm. as you said you were kind of kind of slowed the film down to a dead stop um <laughs> with me it kind of slowed this film down to like a, a steady it's kind of a steady like i'm getting into this i like i like this a lot <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing and yeah it's always a film that i never quite know how to discuss with people because i don't know how to describe why i like it <laughs> aside from i agree with your criticisms but i just like it <laughs> um yeah it's a very weird film to end the trilogy on, but I just that trilogy as a whole is for me just, just really, really interesting. Um, yeah, and great music in every in every film. Um, mm, yeah, oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's my recent trilogy watching. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I completely understand why why you might like it, and like you said, I have my com- I have my my problems with it, but. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you want to um, move on to the next one? I can. I can move on. Um, so I, I've I've kind of cheated with my next one. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not a film. It's not a TV show. It's a video game. Oh, okay. Um, I've I've mentioned it on my story recently, but for the first time, uh, because the Legendary Edition came out, I have been playing the Mass Effect games. Oh, okay. Have you ever ever played them? Ever heard of them? I've heard of them. I know they're very much choice related. Like you mm-hmm. pick what you do every time. Um, but I've not played even one of them. I've got no idea what happens or how it looks really. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's where 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 to begin with explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, like you said, it's sort of like an action RPG uh, trilogy from I think the first game was two thousand and seven, then twenty ten, then twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. And these are sort of immensely popular sort of RPG games where, like you said, you you choose what happens and your choices affect affect how how the, how the game transpires. Um, yeah. And I'd heard a lot about these games from over the years. I was probably maybe a tad too young to play them the first time around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've sort of lived with them being in the, in the pop pop culture sphere, but having never really played them. Mm-hmm. Apart from, I know this, this is weird, but I weirdly recollect playing a demo of the third one. I think <laughs> right. so. I knew a few. I knew a few of the things of the third one. I've completed the first one. I'm, I think I'm near the end of the second one. Um, <laughs> you think? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. So going in, there are three things I know. Mm-hmm. The first one 
is kind of one of the pop culture things in that loads of the characters you can romance them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And the second one is that um, Mass Effect Two is supposed to have one of the best final acts in any video game. Right. Oh. Okay. Um, in that it's something called the Suicide Mission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in that you spend the whole game collecting like this crew of characters and companions. Um, I think I can't remember how many. There might be around ten of them. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't think of um, how many there are. Uh, about ten of them, and they all have their own backstories and their own missions, or whatever. But in this suicide mission, it's possible for all of them to die. <laughs> right. Okay. And it's possible for them all to survive. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So is that tense? <laughs> yeah. So, and it depends on your actions through the game. You like, you can do loyalty missions, which affect the likelihood. Um, and again, I don't know because being the com- completionist I am, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm doing literally everything I can. Yeah. Um, I've done sort of loyalty missions, and I don't know if that's enough for them to automatically survive. But who knows? Um, and so, it's really interesting to play these games and there's a third thing that I'll, I'll get to in a second but um it's really interesting playing this game sort of nine years later because i'm really enjoying it <laughs> <laughs> i'm having such a good time with it um the second game is is definitely a significant step up from the first one even though they're, they're all sort of remastered the first one definitely feels dated right okay um and there are and as as it as normally happens with me with playing sort of RPG type games, is I do a lot of things accidentally. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll I'll just do something thinking, oh this this won't have any consequences. Mm. Oh wait, it has. <laughs> Everyone's dead. <laughs> um, I, I, that happened like for one case where I thought I'd killed literally one of the best characters in the game by accident. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like um, this like part of the system in the second one is. Um, you have like a morality system, you know, like in it's sort of in Red Dead Redemption, you have the bar at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of similar to that in that you can build up points on either the good side or the bad side. Yeah, and there are little like in in Red Dead, there are little like checkpoints you reach on the bar. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's in the second one. I think it's in the first one. Right. Um, and it's similar to that in that once you pass that in like in conversations, you can have like a prompt to do something spontaneous that's good or something spontaneous that's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so something something was happening at the start of the second game where it gives you a prompt where you can do something spontaneously a little bit bad, uh-huh. <laughs> like a gunship or whatever. And you can you can prompt. I think you like you taser the the gunship mechanic so that in in theory the helicopter doesn't work. Uh-huh. Um, and I didn't. I chose not to because I don't want to do anything bad. <laughs> um, so I didn't. And the helicopter shows up and literally guns down one of the, one of the characters. Oh, so I was mortified. <laughs> right? He looked dead. Right? He'd been eviscerated. Yeah. And so the relief in the next cutscene, where he sort of just he just just swans in. I'm alive. <laughs> um, and so the relief at that moment was 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 significant. But um, it's one of the best sort of. It has a phenomenal like build up of lore, mm-hmm. like of like backstory and and just just history, and it's some of the best I've ever seen in a video game. Mm-hmm. And especially for something that's like an original property that isn't based on a book or something like that. Yeah. 
um, and it's excellent. And it's also some of the best character work I've seen in a video game. Seriously, I genuinely love some of these characters now. <laughs> if they died in the suicide mission, I think I would cry for days. <laughs> um, which is a contrast between the fact that some of them, I don't like some of them. So in my mind, I've already decided I'm going to try and save you all. But if it comes to it, I'm definitely sacrificing you. <laughs> You'll all die. <laughs> um, so there are sort of certain ones. Um, I've just written a few things down to make sure I remember all this. Um, and it's sort of a shame that I've played this after, or played most of this after we did that episode a while back on video game adaptations. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because this would make a phenomenal TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be The Expanse, but good. <laughs> oh yeah you don't like the expanse do you <laughs> I, I i've been a bit cruel there i don't dislike it i just think it's a bit it's not it's not great okay. it's fine <laughs> <laughs> this just feels like a better version of that <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh, even in some of the, in some like these uh, the odd plot point it feels it feels kind of kind of similar mm-hmm. however the I, I mentioned before there are three things i knew going in Mm-hmm. And the third thing scares me, because one of the things I've always I've heard about this game is that apparently the ending is very controversial. <laughs> Even I know this, yeah. I know that the third, I think the third game is the one that's controversial. <laughs> um, and it absolutely terrifies me. <laughs> yeah, I've got no idea why. <laughs> um, I think I... I think I know that I think I know the odd thing that happens in the ending, and one thing that I think I suspect might happen does really scare me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something I desperately don't want to happen, um, but it might not happen because it's an RPG, so I don't know. <laughs> you might avoid. So I'm, it. <laughs> I'm quietly sort of enjoying the ones. I'm trying just to not think about what people think of the ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, just get yeah. through it. <laughs> just get through it. Yeah. Um. And I'll I'll let you know what happens. Please do, because I do. It's, it's one of those things, Mass Effect, where I've always wanted to get around to. Cause I, I it always seemed to interest me. Um, mm. but I just never did. I think it was because it. I just is it a first person shooter or is it just? No, it's third person. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I I think I always assumed it was a first person shooter, and that generally kind of offputs me. <laughs> mm. Um. But yeah, yeah, I do think. It does sound interesting because I always like the idea, and I know it kind of it kind of got out of a hand in the late two thousand. I want to say where people, a lot of video game companies were making choice based games for no real reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there was I think there was a Spider Man game that was choice based, and it was yeah, and it was really pointless. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it became kind of a bad trend. But I think just because it was so well handled in this trilogy, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, it definitely sounds interesting. I, it's definitely on the list for me. It always has been. <laughs> yeah, I I would I would definitely recommend it. Um, they just released the um, legendary edition, which is all three games remastered, which mm-hmm. is the one I'm playing, thankfully. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I'd recommend getting it. I'd recommend trying it because I'm having so much fun with it. Um, especially the second one. The second one's definitely so far maybe even a ten out of ten games. <laughs> Oh really? Okay. Um, the first, I guess, the first one died. I also accidentally finished the first one before, because <laughs> I accidentally triggered the final mission. Oh right. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, it, it's okay. There'll definitely be more after the. Oh no, there wasn't. <laughs> the credits happened. <laughs> um, 
is so, there yeah. is there a general consensus that the second one is the best one? I think so. I think yeah. generally, and even even the third one with its ending, I from what I know, it's reviewed very well. Yeah, I think on Metascore it still has like a like an eight, eight, 89 rating, I think, and on IMDb I checked it's nine point one. Oh, okay. Um, so it's still well thought after, but I just know that I I don't know if it's just one of the endings that people dislike, mm-hmm. or all of them. <laughs> yeah, or is it uh you can't? Or maybe the twist is that the ending ending you can't avoid it. Which is that's what I, that's what I think it might, it might be. But then I've also seen people say there's five different endings, so I'm just confused. Oh, oh. <laughs> I have no idea then. <laughs> Maybe it's one of them cases where they say there's five endings, but really they're not that different. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. Um, who who knows? No um, matter what, everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm. I'll I'll I'll, I'll let people know as as it goes on. How many? How many I managed to save in the second game, and what I think of the ending. <laughs> I hope it goes well. <laughs> so do I, dear God. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's my next one done. <laughs> Very stressful summer for you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, um, would you like to move on to your next one? Uh, yeah, um, my next one is a TV show. Um, a very interesting TV show that I have no idea what to think about. Um, Twin Peaks. Um, yeah, I'm in the middle, well, kind of near the end, but middle, middle end of the second season. Um, I believe it goes season one, season two, the movie, and then the return TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. I hope I'm right with that. Um, Twin Peaks so far. I think it's it's so weird. <laughs> um, it's so weird, and I never know if I want to watch an episode. At some like I don't know how to put it because I I like the show a lot, but I made it up my mind a long time ago when I started watching it, especially the pilot episode, that I was gonna only watch it on a Sunday, just because the show is a perfect sun like rainy Sunday movie. Uh, TV show, it's so perfect for that sort of atmosphere and like that chill kind of weird atmosphere on a Sunday. And it's it's a kind. Of, it, I love David Lynch. I love that guy as a guy, first and foremost. Really, I just love how that guy operates as a human. <laughs> um, and then uh, the films I have seen of his, uh, Blue Velvet for one. I love Blue Velvet. Um, and I just I'm making my favorite way through his uh, filmography at the moment as well. And this TV show, it just stands out of just like, I don't know what it's doing. <laughs> and the first season is pretty straightforward. Um, it's a murder of a young girl and the almost murder of someone else. Um, and it kind of gets really spooky and it kind of gets a bit more like supernatural as it goes along. Um, but the second season, and again, as far as I know, they might change this, but second season so far has randomly kind of midway through solved the entire murder um, and kind of moved on to just different stuff, including maybe aliens. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, this show is just it just at this point it's it's just pinballing to like different things. It's just going across to 
whatever it feels like. And there's so there is so many subplots in this entire show. Like the show, the show went, goes from aliens, maybe uh, supernatural owls that are watching over you, um, a main character that can maybe like talk to the dead or something like that, um, and then at the same time, I'll be going from that to a love triangle in high school. Um, this is one character, and I still don't know what they're doing because it's a character who is married she's always a bit crazy but she's married to this guy and this guy has always wanted to marry someone else but she's always been married to someone else but now she's divorced that guy because he's a criminal um and but the woman this woman who's a caught in the middle of this is has at some point been knocked in the head and she now only wears she always wears an eye patch uh, over her eye and <laughs> She has since this, since she's woke up in the coma for a little bit, has gained super strength. So she just, and also she, she suddenly believes she's a teenager. Um, so she's a 40-year-old woman with an eye patch who has super strength, mm-hmm. who also goes to high school now. Um, and she is just hanging out, doing her thing. Um, and I don't really know what's happening um at some point she solves an entire plot line by just being there by chance and hitting a really like six foot five man because she has super strength um there's like ah, oh, it's so weird <laughs> it's and it's just a it's just a weirdly lovely show as well I, I love the entire thing like it's so enjoyable and so kind of it's never too depressing or too dark it's always kind of a bit mixed um the main character is is an incredible main character. He's called Dale Dale Cooper, mm-hmm. um, and he the actor whose name I also get. Um, he, Kyle he, McLaughlin. Yes, yes. Um, thank you. He was in a, was in a season of Agents of Shield. Oh yeah, I remember that on his uh his uh timeline career thing. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, he's he nails this main character. He's one of those characters who is dealing with every single issue at the same time yet he'll always make mention of how good the coffee tastes like he's about oh before you get pie and this, this is a great scene in season one uh, where he he gets to, he gets told in a dream who killed laura, laura palmer mm-hmm. um and he wakes up and he's like okay I'm gonna get the police over that, like he's like he's like the FBI agent, like special agent. Mm-hmm. He's head of all the things, um, and he calls up the local sheriff. He's like, "Come over to my hotel thing," and he's having like a free course meal in the morning and coffee, and he's just going on about how great the coffee is. And at some point, before he tells the person, uh, the sheriff, who the killer is, he's, he kind of goes, "Ah, I think I forgot." <laughs> <laughs> And the show just carries on of the mystery. <laughs> like, that's the entire show, like, summed up. Like, people will learn things that are really important and then just in one scene forget them because they had a good coffee. Um, it's, I just, I love it so much, but it takes a lot to watch it because it's just a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but I'm kind of, I think season two is getting a bit too much, especially. Um, I think without the central kind of mystery is is getting out of hand of like we've got 
so many different like villain characters coming in. Um, it sort of reminds me of Riverdale in some ways. Um, <laughs> that's, but, uh, that's not a compliment, I don't think. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not a compliment, but it is at the same time. So the way I would say it is, it's Riverdale, but if Riverdale was if Riverdale knew what it was, because um, <laughs> Riverdale has no idea what it is. But Twin Peaks knows what it is and just is just doing it in all its kind of weird glory. Um and I'm really excited to get to the point of the film and then the, the TV show the return like ten years later, I think, like twenty years later. Um, because I only hear good things about the 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 return TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm so excited for it. Um but yeah, I I am oddly maybe in love with this show even though it's so bizarre <laughs> um yeah do you do you know anything about like have you watched any of this show i've all, all i know is that it's david lynch yeah it's about um a mystery from a missing girl or something on murder girl mm-hmm. yeah and it's weird yeah that's, that's it. it that's all i know well that's kind of it so far it is just a murder um a pretty serious murder the show does get quite depressing and darker times as well um but at the same time like there's been a plot line recently where uh one of the the hotel owner uh is has gone a bit crazy because he's losing his industry and he is in the process of pretending to be in a civil war and is just reenacting civil war uh you know wars like battles in his hotel um wow and that's it he was at one point he was like he was like the kind of like the big bad villain um and season two was kind of just doing his own thing um and it's yeah i don't know how to talk about the show really because it's just so all over the place it's there's this woman who enters a scene once every five episodes with a log like she just, she just carries around a log um and people talk to the log and ask it questions about the plot and the answer will be a very good answer that actually helps the plot out. Um, so it was a very the helpful... The talks back? No, no, like the, the the woman that's holding it answers the questions, usually, for the log. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I don't know how to talk about it, really, because it's just it's a lot of stuff. Um, I'm fascinated. Yeah, I, I kind of recommend it, as long as you understand getting in for... Riverdale, but good, but still Riverdale. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's all I've got for that. <laughs> I might watch that. Didn't you actually watch that before or after Auntie Donna? Uh, before I think. Before. Should <laughs> Auntie Donna be the thing to revive me? Probably. Yeah, I think that'll be it. Yeah, Auntie Donna will like let you know that people are alive <laughs> yeah oh dear between that and the uh twin peaks and leftovers i'm in for a, an absolutely great few months it, they are such different shows <laughs> yeah oh. do you want to go to your next one i can um so my next one is also sort of a class what do you call it classic um Maybe a classic TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, it's really famous, and it, or at least it was really famous in the early 2000s. Right. Um, and that, I've, I don't know if you've ever seen it or heard of it. Uh, it's called 24. 
Oh yeah, I've heard of it. Um, Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer, <laughs> mm-hmm. the character. Um, where do I even begin? I just watched it on a whim because I knew it was a popular TV show. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't know, the premise is that there are 24 episodes in this season. Right. <laughs> Everything happens in real time over the course of a day. Oh, okay. And some great emergency is happening. In the first season, the first season is all I've watched so far, is uh-huh. that there is a threat of assassination on a US presidential candidate. Right. And they have to stop it. Jack Bauer, who was Keith of Sutherland, has to stop it. And his family get involved. And it's, it is, oh, it's the most 2000 thing possible. <laughs> <laughs> In a good way or a bad way? I kind of both. Okay. <laughs> and it's super cheesy. There's a lot of, of sort of, Jack, you can't go in there, Jack. <laughs> you need backup. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Um, and on the image is the most grainiest thing you've ever seen. It's like <laughs> when they were deciding the visual style, they said, do you, how much grain do you want? Yes. <laughs> right. It's it came times it kind of feels a bit like Die Hard. Die Hard, okay. Which is really weird and sort of the sort of the tone in that but sort of the, the main thing I sort of take away from it is impressive how they've managed to pull it up in that it main it manages to be at the least reasonably entertaining throughout all twenty four episodes. Right. Because it's one narrative over twenty-four episodes. Most seasons that have epi- that have seasons that long, they're like case by case things. Yeah. It's like monster of the week kind of thing. But this this is the narrative. And it it's really quite impressive writing. They've they're able to hold a similar level of consistency throughout. Uh-huh. And there, there are there are there are some rather impressive aspects. But there's one quite impressive action sequence towards the end, mm-hmm. and and the fact that you think it's got a happy ending, then it does doesn't. <laughs> right. Because I um I was still watching it on and off, and so I I got to the end and I, I checked, and there's sort of happy happy things going. About four minutes, and I got I got called to do something. I, I got distracted, so I put it down. And I thought, oh, that's it, that's finished. Mm-hmm. And so I came back to it just to finish it off. And those those four minutes completely change it. <laughs> right. Um, they completely change the tone of the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it it's kind of good. Um, it also kind of suffers from being a little bit predictable at times. Yeah. Like there, there's there, there's like a twist that comes in the, the penultimate episode, where it's kind of yeah, but I think we all knew that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's it's one of the characters is is this sort of actually one, one of the moles in the in the in the federal organization is investigating the the assassination. But one of the big things that um sort of I thought about the other day and I, I really started thinking about is that. This is probably one of the a show that I've never seen over this over the course of the first season. Mm-hmm. Such consistently negatively written women. Oh, really? <laughs> because when you think about it, 
they're not depicted in the most positive manner. <laughs> right. So they're, they're over the course of, of, of the first season, there's maybe five sort of important female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them starts off quite strong. Right. Um, but, and, and it becomes quite a badass, she, she protects her daughter and she, 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 she's quite strong. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, she thinks her daughter dies, she gets amnesia, forgets everything. Right. And just becomes a screaming, wailing, anxious mess. <laughs> right. Which kind of feels like, that's kind of insulting. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, then, then literally, from episode 17 onward, she, she gets her memory back. She's literally told to go wait in the conference room. Mm-hmm. And that's where she spends the entirety of the rest of the season. Oh my god. Wow. She literally only reappears to ask where her husband and daughter are. <laughs> right. Okay. Um then there's there's two other two other ones are revealed to be traitors. <laughs> the traitors and um one's revealed to be a murderer. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one slowly is depicted as the, the one woman who is is the wife of the presidential candidate, mm-hmm. who is slowly revealed and depicted as quite a venomous woman. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another one who is the daughter, who spends the entirety of the season getting captured and having to be rescued by people. Right. Okay. Although, in fairness, in the end, she does rescue herself. That's a nice little arc. <laughs> but <laughs> she still spends the entire season getting captured. Yeah. 2000 um, were different so times. When, when I sort of stepped back to look at it, I thought, ooh, that's <laughs> not good. <laughs> that's not good. When did you say the show came out? Um, this this is from 2001, I think. This first yeah, that's sort of that time period. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> not holding my breath. Yeah. Is it quite a big budget kind of thing? Um, it, I suppose it is in in some in in some aspects. Yeah. Like when there's an action sequence, it's done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nothing particularly spectacular, nothing big, but it's well done. It doesn't look cheap. Yeah. Um, but then when you think about it, most of the show happens within two or three locations. Right. Okay. Like yeah. there's the main headquarters where they are. There's where the presidential candidate is, like a hotel, hmm. and then the rest of it's just a field. <laughs> just a field. Um. But yeah, and it is it is relatively surprising. There are some decent, good enough plot twists. Uh-huh. Um. But it is it is entertaining, and I think it's. If anything, you don't have to watch the full thing. But if I think I'd recommend people watch it at least as the first season. For the sake of it being quite an achievement that they've managed to do what they do over twenty four episodes. Mm, yeah. Um I think I'll probably continue with it, but if if it you know, it could it could easily get repetitive because, you know, every season's the same format. Yeah, yeah. Um and the, the second season has started off strong and the, the big threat is drumroll please oh. a nuclear bomb. A nuclear bomb. In a shock, in a shock, surprising twist, a terrorist has stolen a nuclear warhead. 
It's amazing that we went from assassination to nuclear bomb. <laughs> In Los Angeles as well, may I add. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's quite, quite, quite wow. funny, which isn't, it isn't meant to be funny. There's a scene where like, they're in the... Um, also, this this is a spoiler. I'm sorry, it's a spoiler. The guy gets elected president. <laughs> right. the, president the president is sat there in, in the office and they're given like a... So, if things go wrong, what's the predicted damage? And they have like a screen behind them. Mm. And it goes, oh, so if, if, if it's a normal bomb, there's yeah. 2,000 people going to die. Yeah. And then they sort of, but if it's a dirty bomb... <laughs> <laughs> Then, then the the environmental damage would be huge. On the screen behind them, the number, like literally, the number. It's not just a case of the number becoming a big number. It literally becomes huge <laughs> as it goes from two thousand to two and a half million. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those cases, you know, where they have like the little, the little images of people. Mm-hmm. It's like as that just covers the screen as they all multiply. <laughs> I kind of miss that in TV shows now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of dated, but in a fun way. Yeah. Aside from the, the sexism. Yeah, that that's not a fun way. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was an interesting watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you got another one you want to move on to? Uh, yeah, I think it's actually my last one because <laughs> my battery is on a low. And I think I've left my charger in Leeds. <laughs> oh dear. I totally forgot about this. <laughs> We'll rattle um, through it. Okay, okay. Um, okay, so the TV show that I've been watching recently, uh, for quite a while now, uh, is The Wire. Um, Ooh, very nice. Yeah, it's a t- TV show written by Dave Simmons, I think. Uh, no, D- yeah, Dave Simmons. And it's kind of been... It's a very weird show, because it's not really a show that has a main character, I would say. Um it kind of has one in a character called Jim McNulty, but he's, if, I mean, for example, I think in season four, he's not in the show aside from two scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's having his own life, and it's kind of a nice little kind of, oh, he's not in the show because he's having a good life, <laughs> which is nice. Mm-hmm. And season five happens, and season five brings him back into the entire thing, and his life's getting ruined. Um, but um, this show so far is... is very unique and it's very again kind of odd because it's not it's about baltimore in um this sort of culture around there and the sort of livelihood and sort of it is primarily the the conflict is about like kind of drug versus police kind of sort of thing um but it's not just about that it's kind of it's very weird because the first season is it is that concept of putting a wire into everyone's kind of phones and stuff, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And from this point on, season two is kind of about the docks and kind of don't really follow the drug line story for a long time. And then the third film, the third uh, season is about uh, about the present, like the not present, the um, the mayoral campaign and mm-hmm. the politics of Baltimore. And the fourth season is about the school China system in Baltimore, and then the fifth season is about the news kind of media in Baltimore. Um, and it's important to mention that the I think the head writer and showrunner, uh, um, uh, he was an ex police officer in Baltimore. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he's like he's writing all this from experience, and I think ev- pretty much everyone that's cast in the show was from at least Baltimore or 
you know in that in that area and uh, and then from that they've also brought on people that were actual like, school teachers or uh news writers from baltimore as well for the next seasons um and it's this kind of, i want to call it like a macro level story where it's just kind of things are always kind of in motion at the same time because and then and the thing is people don't characters don't even necessarily meet all the time like we have every character they might cross all every once in a while in the plot lines but if they don't it's not really a surprise or anything like that it's kind of like this is what they're doing it does connect but it's not a character connection it's more of a plot connection um and, and so far the show i mean season season five i am literally well yeah literally next episode is the last one um i and it's it's been so interesting because i think in some ways I didn't love the first season not because it was bad but because I was so surprised by how it wasn't a story about a person or a very simple character arc within the kind of story it was more just we literally just jump around all the time and there is there's a main plot but it's just so kind of jumbled by how many characters are there but it's never in a bad way jumbled if that makes sense it's not messy it's just mm-hmm. not affecting and I think the sort of format of following different aspects of a singular kind of town um, next season is so interesting and it hooks all that within character arcs. Um, so for example, like one of the characters goes from being kind of kind of somewhat racist, kind of. Um, mm. Definitely not a character you like in the first season. Um, but by the fourth season, he's kind of found his plays outside the police force and is now a school teacher and he is in like that community and he is very very good at it and he is a very good teacher and he's very helpful he's very kind and polite and he's just he's one of the most like lovely characters by the end of the show and his arc is so ingrained within like that again like the macro of a story of baltimore that it just works really really well um and if this season so far has been i think it's kind of a controversial controversial season because I think it's a bit it does stretch out kind of some of the I guess the concepts um but <laughs> it does because it just featured the main character pretend completely making up a fake serial killer in order to get the police force more funding uh, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's just so interesting to watch this character kind of go from being so happy to so just kind of head deep into work uh, again and so kind of again an alcoholic and teaching on his wife again <laughs> and yeah i just think it's a show that it, it was very popular and it is very famous and it is very like well loved but i think it's kind of within all the shows that are very popular and well loved it's kind of went to the bottom of that kind of elite barrel if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and i think it's kind of a shame because it's it is very very good um and it does i would say it does get better as it goes along as well um do you what do you know about the show aside from what i said um i didn't actually know it was it didn't have like a a, a single um plot line yeah not really no i think i a while ago i did. <laughs> yeah i was saying i think i watched part of the first episode when i was trying a few things a while ago and it's yeah. just 
it's one that I've always wanted to get around to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's one I've always wanted to get get around to, and yeah, like you said, it's one of them ones that's it's circulated a lot in as one of them greatest all time shows, but it's never number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always on. It always makes its, its way onto the list, but has been perhaps outmuscled by more recent shows that have become more popular. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely it, it it kind of feels like a precursor to the high, like the highlight of like here to be your kind of shores. If that makes sense, like it. Mm-hmm. It feels not quite that level of quality, even though it is. It's kind of weird to describe. It just feels like an earlier version of like. The golden era of TV, if you want to call it that. Um, mm. Yeah, I just, I, I really love the show a lot, and I think it's, I think it's just really interesting that it kind of did, didn't do a character arc that centers the entire thing. It's just, it just has its main characters, but it's not defined by just what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, yeah, I really enjoy the show. Mm. Good. Yeah, it's, it's another one I can, I can add to my list, which is becoming quite long now. <laughs> do you want to like go through the ones you have and kind of quickly talk about them yeah we can do it. i i didn't have a, a main left um i had been watching uh, house oh yeah yeah which is both brilliant and not so brilliant <laughs> it's, one of the, it's one of them that you know it wouldn't get made today because it comes out of some pretty outrageous stuff <laughs> right. um, there's one there's one in my mind which i'm not going to repeat which is really quite racist in the first season oh, oh okay um but but you know it's a great performance from um oh, i forgot his name hugh laurie, hugh laurie yeah. it's a great performance from from hugh laurie one of yeah one of the one of tv's best i'd even say mm-hmm. um but it's hampered by and also like as a case-by-case basis as a show for the medical stuff it's brilliant mm-hmm. like it all works it, it's really well it's really engrossing but the major drawbacks are it takes so long for there to be any sort of change in house right okay as a yeah. character yeah it's yeah. he's he goes through various things the drug addiction but it feels like we're just going back and forth over the same thing for a good five seasons mm-hmm. it's not until about season six where you start to see any change yeah which can be really quite frustrating mm-hmm. um and also for the, for the first few few seasons, the supporting characters really aren't that good. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, they're they're fine, but they they don't similar to House. They don't really have, they don't really go through much, and especially sort of because he goes through several rounds of assistance. Basically, <laughs> yeah. the first round suffer from being, apart from one of them, the other two generally aren't developed that well. Yeah. Um, and the the second round that comes in is the second round, which are a significant improvement, <laughs> and that's probably the best. I think season four. I think season four is probably the best season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's one that uh, I think I recommend it. <laughs> if you've got yeah. nothing else to watch, I'd recommend it. But it's not it's not something that you can definitely rely on for a good continuous story. It's definitely one to just chuck on for the background. Right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that and the another thing that I, watch, I watched Jack Ryan. Is that the movie or the the, the John Krasinski show? Oh yeah, the, yeah that one. Yeah. Have you seen it? 
No. <laughs> um, first season's pretty good. Uh-huh. Second season's weaker. I didn't know it was more than one. I thought it's it was one of them. I think they're gonna, I think they're making a third one as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but it, it it's still it's still very good. Yeah. Particularly the first season, the sort of the way they handle the character and how he's he has an emotional journey of his own. It's it's well handled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I watched the first two seasons of Bosch. Oh, oh is that the CIA kind of thing? <laughs> the what? Sorry. CIA kind of FBI it's, sort of thing. It's a de- I think it's a detective thing. Oh, I don't think I know. It's a detective <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> LA uh, police detective. Um. One of them ones where he's a maverick and he does what he wants. Ah, he's old school. One of those. Um, and yeah, and that's pretty good for for sort of, you know, in Britain. Britain have a a serious obsession with crime shows. Do yeah. Um, and most of them are very forgettable. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this is definitely significantly better than those. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and finally, another thing which I'm still watching, I haven't finished, um, Prodigal Son. Oh, the second oh, and final the... season, which has had problems. Had problems? Oh. Um, because basically, because it's a shorter season. It's one of those scenarios where it's like kind of, you've done enough to get renewed, but nobody really has any faith in you to do well. <laughs> right, okay. Um, which has kind of hampered it because there's sort of two, two or three big storylines they've gone for. And they've had to cram them in. Mm-hmm. And the storylines yeah. are good on their own. They're just really disjointed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that sort of meant that the case by case murder investigation thing has suffered because it's not been allowed to be there, basically. Mm-hmm. And most notably, I think the reason that it has been cancelled is that the first three episodes have fallen into a really disappointing trap of feeling like they have to cover everything that's happened in the real world oh since the okay. first season oh. like there's so many references to the pandemic in the first two episodes and then nothing oh it was made after the pandemic yeah oh okay and, and also it's hampered by the fact that some big stuff happens at the end of the first season yet it's just glossed over Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's literally a few scenes tagged on the beginning and the end, and a few rushed scenes. Which, if they'd had the full twenty-four episodes, would have been better. Mm-hmm. And then throw in this, um, this sort of uh, the fact that they they try to tackle the pandemic and they reference that. However, the most clumsy thing they do is that because it's a police program and it generally has done well in a lot of the other police officers and the supporting cast are quite diverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It tries to tackle Black Lives Matter. Okay. But okay. it does it, 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 it. And there is like a there's a, a storyline where one of the one of the sort of the side characters is um, is a guy and he's a, he's a black detective. And when they're at one of the crime scenes, he gets mistaken for, for, he gets like, they don't think, they refuse to believe that he's a police officer and they're a 10, or the police officers attack him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's something that should be a main storyline, but it's literally just crammed in. Yeah, like a subplot sort of thing. And it feels rushed, it feels a, really quite disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's, 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 there are a few things like that in the first three episodes, which I can see turned a lot of people off because for two reasons a you know 
it can get quite toxic when you address real world issues. Mm-hmm. So you 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 know you piss a few people off that probably deserve to be pissed off. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But then, because it's done so clumsily, people that actually want to see this kind of stuff would also turn off. Yeah, because you've just kind of put it in there. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that probably harmed it enough to get it cancelled. And the best example is that sort of the main it, it, main love interest and the main character is also a person of colour. Mm-hmm. And literally her first scene is to deliver a line which is... Um, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's something like the main character asks her how she's doing because it's the first time they've met in this season, and mm. she says the line is something like, "I'm I'm I'm doing great as I'm doing great considering I'm a, a a young black police officer or something like that." Yeah, which is a really clumsy line, but <laughs> the worst thing is is the way it's delivered by the actress. Like the actress is clearly some she clearly disagrees with the line, which I don't blame her. Yeah. And it's the, the driest possible delivery of the line. <laughs> um yeah. which is kind of tragic and kind of funny, but yeah. either way, it's still got good roots to it, but they've kind of lost what they had with the first season. Right. Because I remember you liking the first season a lot. Yeah, I did. The first season was great. Um, but the second season, they just feel like... It definitely feels like they've been told they've got less time to do something, but they've tried to do the same amount. Yeah. All yeah. while trying to tackle real-world issues. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Which uh, is, you know, an option to do, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's something that, you know, you can do and you can do properly, but you have to do it properly. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's it. That's, that's all. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, thank you, loves listening. Uh, you've got your recommendations for us to watch. If you want to do that, you can listen. Uh, you can contact us on our Instagram page uh, mm-hmm. at Marvel Cinema Podcast. Uh, we do reviews during the week and a podcast during the week, usually Monday. And uh, Twitter as well. We have a Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous. Uh, reviews during a week and a podcast during a week again usually a Monday um, so you have any recommendations or you have any comments to think about this episode uh, let us know uh, even message us directly if you want um, and also leave a review if you want to on, uh, on what is, uh, whatever podcast service you're listening on mm-hmm. um, but yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode uh, and goodbye yep thank you very much for listening goodbye <laughs>